The Curse of the Bambino. Yeah, you've heard it, but what does it mean? Where did it start? It started with Babe Ruth and a trade that was announced on this day. This is Today. Welcome to This Is Today, the podcast that features the stories that make this day unique. It's Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. I'm Russ, and here's what you need to know about today. Well, it's National Bird Day today. I've been trying to figure out what to tell you to do for National Bird Day for the last 24 hours or so, and uh, I still have no idea. Um, so I guess just go watch some birds. Maybe, you know, treat them nice, give them some bird food. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's also National Whipped Cream Day. Um, don't combine the two. Uh, birds and whipped cream do not mix, uh, no matter what. Even if it's a turkey that's cooked, uh, it doesn't match very well. Pumpkin pie, now that's good for uh, whipped cream, or perhaps a uh, frappuccino from Starbucks. Uh, that's some good whipped cream there, but uh, don't mix it with the birds. That's just... Uh, that's just wrong. You know, I think I've been watching too much of that show alone. Um, every time I see an animal now, I'm like, oh, please don't kill it. I don't know if you've seen this show on Netflix uh, right now, but it's basically they drop some people up in the Arctic and they have to survive on their own. Uh, you know, they start out by talking to these nice squirrels. It's like, oh, how pretty. Look at this squirrel. And then all of a sudden they're eating it. So uh, that's what really concerns me about Bird Day, especially mixed with National Whipped Cream Day. Um it's a great show, but don't watch it while eating. That doesn't work. All right, let's take a look at our events for today. Our first one was in 1914. The Ford Motor Company announced an eight-hour workday along with a $5 a day minimum wage plus bonuses. Here's the thing, that $5 a day, that was double what they were receiving prior to that. So they doubled the salary and cut back from nine hours a day to eight hours. This wasn't popular with the other car makers, and it was popular, however, with the employees, as you can imagine. Okay, what is $5 a day back then equal to now? It's equal to about $130 a day now. So they were very happy with this doubling and it actually helped productivity. And therefore, those other car makers that I mentioned, they soon followed Ford's lead. Now, here's the thing. This was, you know, way back when, right? 1914. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my proposal for 2021. Let's cut it to four hours a day and uh, let's double productivity again. Talk to your boss about it. Let me know how it goes before I pitch it to mine. Thanks. All right. In 1933, the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge began. It was a $35 million project. Now, here's the interesting thing about the creation of the Golden Gate Bridge. First of all, uh, the Navy didn't want it. They were afraid that it wouldn't be seen and it would be a hit by, you know, the ships and it would cause the ships to sink and the bridge to collapse. They were very worried about this. So what they wanted to do was paint it with red and white stripes. <laughs> Just imagine a candy cane striped bridge across uh, San Francisco. No, they went with a color. The steel actually was painted orange when it was brought over and uh, they liked it. So they went with it and they painted the whole thing. They continued to paint it what's called international orange. And that paint color is not a secret. It's actually available on the Sherwin-Williams website. You can get that same paint 
Uh, just imagine, you can paint your whole house to match the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, maybe instead go with the red and white stripes on your house. Um, the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge was actually really good as far as safety records go. There were 11 deaths. Now, you think that that sounds like a lot. Well, the Bay Bridge, which was opened up six months prior also in San Francisco there, 28 people died during the construction. See, they really were concerned about worker safety on this bridge. So what they did was they spent $130,000 to put a safety net under where people were working. That saved 19 lives. But can you imagine falling off the bridge as you're working on it and then landing on this giant safety net? That would freak me out enough right there. <laughs> I wouldn't like that either. Actually, I wouldn't work on a bridge because uh, heights and me are, well, we're not friends. Hey, come on. Some people have fear of heights. Some people have fear of clowns. And some of that clown fear may stem from the 1959 debut on this day of the television show Bozo the Clown. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. If you look up photos of Bozo the Clown, um, it looks pretty scary to me. He's known as the world's most famous clown. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd watch the show. I, I'm, yeah. So anyway, he began terrifying kids on this day in 1959. Okay, so I guess we had two fears, <laughs> clowns and heights. Because looking at this guy, oh man. Okay, um, also on this day, a couple of quick looks here. 1972, President Nixon, hey, that's another fear for some people, uh, signed a bill for NASA to begin research on a manned shuttle mission. In uh, 2012, U.S. President Barack Obama announced plans to dramatically cut defense spending. And in 2015, the tomb of an Egyptian queen was discovered by a team of Czech archaeologists. The queen lived during the Fifth Dynasty and was likely the wife of a pharaoh. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk about the babe. Yes, Bambino. You know, Babe Ruth. Okay, don't worry. We're not going to go too deep into baseball. It's a total non-baseball fan friendly <laughs> interview about baseball. And uh, we're going to be talking with Sean Hearn from the Babe Ruth Museum and Birthplace. Uh, we've got a fantastic conversation. You'll learn a lot about Babe Ruth right after this. And welcome back. Today is the day of a trade in baseball and yes non-baseball fans stick in here we're gonna learn about Babe Ruth but yes today was the day of as uh, some people would say one of the worst trades in history Babe Ruth was traded to the Yankees from the Red Sox what did this do it made the Yankees the team that we know today pretty much and it made Boston uh, gave them a little bit of a drought uh, and by a little bit uh, I mean uh, decades. <laughs> so we're going to learn more about Babe Ruth and what this trade was all about. Uh, and to do so, I have the executive director from the Babe Ruth Birthplace and Museum, Sean Hearn. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So yeah, this trade, uh, some say is the worst trade in baseball history. How do you trade Babe Ruth? Well, actually you don't. Um, technically, it wasn't a trade. Uh, there were no players exchanged in the deal. It was a, an outright sale. And uh, that's one of the biggest misconceptions of the past 100 years. Um, this was the sale 
of of Babe Ruth. There wasn't that the Red Sox didn't get uh, other players in return or, you know, trades as we understand them today. Um, this was the Red Sox giving up their star player, their best player for money. Wow. And so he took the Red Sox to several World Series while he was there, right? Yeah, they had been repeatedly successful. They were the preeminent uh, team of the time. And, uh, you know, Babe Ruth was a pitcher. Most people kind of recognize him today as a, as a slugger and a home run hitter. Um, but he was a pitcher for the Red Sox. And, um, you know, during his time from 1914 on, they, they had won, uh, I think, four World Series in six years. Um, they were the team to beat. Okay, so they do this sale, and uh, the Red Sox no longer have Babe Ruth. The Yankees become the team to beat. The Red Sox go into a drought, and this births the uh, curse of the Bambino, right? So 86 years. It was 86 years from the time that uh, the Red Sox won their last World Series um, until um, they won another one. So yeah, the curse of the Bambino. Uh, I think at the time, uh, most Red Sox fans were heartbroken. Now, the Red Sox ownership was trying to spin it um, that, you know, he was unruly. He wouldn't take direction. He was difficult to work with. He was wanting more money um, and that they could get better players, uh, a handful of better players for this for the sale of this one. Um, but in reality, that wasn't the truth. Um, reality, the the owner of the Red Sox was in financial trouble and needed money and he needed money fast. And I think it was, it was even harder for Red Sox fans because at the time, you know, the Yankees were not a powerhouse. Um, they, they would become that in the 1920s. But when this, when this transaction took place, they were not. Um, so they were losing their, their star player to a rival, um, but a rival that they felt was judging them. by their record. Now it's tough to say that they would be beneath any other team of leading the uh, world series wins here. <laughs> and every year they're a contender. Okay. You know what, before we get too deep into baseball, I've got several people that listen that may not love baseball as much as some of my listeners, let's say. So let's talk about Babe Ruth, the person and who he actually was and, uh, you know, for kind of the non-baseball folks. Uh, first of all, an amazing athlete. There's no question that he was an amazing ball player, um, both as a pitcher and as a slugger, both sides of the plate. Um, but he was this fascinating person who grew up in very tough circumstances, didn't have a traditional childhood by any stretch of the imagination, and I think spent the rest of his life trying to recreate his childhood. Um, he identified with children. Um, he spent a lot of time with children. Um, and he, he tried to live, you know, certainly with excesses um, of the things that he had been denied when he was younger. Um, but also behind all that was a brilliant man. I don't think people view Babe Ruth as being a smart guy. I think he was a very smart guy. Um, he understood public relations before there even was public relations. He understood that a sports writer needed a quote. He understood that a photographer needed a photograph. He made sure that they got those. He understood what his worth was and was willing to fight and to negotiate to be compensated for what he felt his worth was. Um, and I think he understood what the Babe Ruth image was. And I think it was very carefully uh, created, honed, and perfected 
um, throughout his career and his lifetime. And then it would be recreated, I believe, um, by his widow after he passes away. What do you mean by that? Babe knew what the sports writers wanted and needed. He had a great relationship with them mostly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's the first one to have an agent and his agent, Christy Walsh, uh, had set it up that if sports writers wanted a positive story or they wanted access to the babe, they were going to have to say nice things about the babe. If you didn't say nice things about the babe, you didn't get access to him. Uh, and he's really the first. He's the first to have an agent. He's the first athlete to have an agent. Um, and so he is careful to develop that. Uh, Christy Walsh makes sure that there are photographs of babe visiting orphanages and hospitals and spending time with kids. Um, that's all clearly kind of cultivated. Now, he does enjoy excesses of life, you know, food, alcohol, and other refreshments, we'll say. Um, <laughs> that, uh, thank God, social media wasn't around then. Um, but after he passes away, I think his wife and daughters uh, kind of do what Jackie Kennedy did um, with John Kennedy and creating that idea of Camelot. They sort of sanitized the story a little bit. Oh, gotcha. Um, and, and Babe Ruth, the image of Babe Ruth changed after he passed away. And, and you can do that when the person was a legend and, you know, dies too young and, and people only want to remember the good things. So I think in the later years, um, and I mean up until recently, um, his image was a sanitized one. You mentioned that he kind of had a rough childhood. He was making up for the missing childhood. He was in a reformatory school when he was younger, right? It, it, yes, it's a bit of a, a reform school. And how he got there is been a story that has been kind of lacking until recently. There were a lot of pieces from his childhood that were missing. And it's only been recently, as again, stories are being digitized and reports are being digitized that we're learning new things and we learn the circumstances. So Babe is sent to the St. Mary's Industrial School for Boys in Baltimore, predominantly um, rough street kids um, and orphans. And it turns out that Babe is neither one of those. And those are kind of the, the myths that stick around his childhood. Um, what we had learned recently is that his parents actually got a divorce, um, something that's almost unheard of in the time. And quite frankly um, and delicately, his wife was exchanging favors with one of the bartenders for alcohol. Um, she was an alcoholic and was forbidden to drink from the bar. And she found a way to compensate a bartender for alcohol and she got caught. And the parents divorce and she doesn't even show up for either the divorce hearing or the custody hearing. So George Sr., a barkeeper, wow. is awarded custody of three children. Uh, unfortunately, one dies shortly afterwards in infancy um, for what we suspect now was fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, oh, wow. and, and, you know, what's he going to do? He's got now kids to take care of and he's got a, a son that, you know, needs attention and he runs a bar at night. So off to St. Mary's, uh, George Jr. goes. But it is run as a reform school. And in fact, the census from that time period lists the students as inmates. And in many ways, that's the way, wow. they, that's the way they were treated. Um, if parents did want to see their children at St. Mary's, they could come out and usually spend a half hour a month 
in the cafeteria, you'd wait in the cafeteria, and then your child would be brought out to a table, and you'd have, you know, 20 to 30 minutes with your child. And that would be it. So it was tough. Wow. Yeah. It was a good education. Um, it was designed uh, to be a second chance for a lot of these kids. They were taught not only the, the traditional academics, but they were also taught um, uh, skills. They were taught, you know, that they would be, you know, leaving St. Mary's at some point to go and, and get a job somewhere. And Babe was being trained to be a shirt joiner to work in Baltimore's textile industry. <laughs> okay, so he goes from that as his career to being the greatest baseball player of all time. How did he get into baseball? How did he take that route? Uh, St. Mary's used sports as a as a reward system. You know, they, they got to keep these boys occupied, number one. Um, but number two, they used it as a reward system. So if you, you know, you did what you were supposed to do in school, if you followed the rules, you behaved yourself, you got to play sports. And if you didn't, you know, those things were taken away from you. Now, a lot of those uh, types of sports were intramural. They were done within the school, but they also left the school to play other schools and other areas. And, and Bay was just exceptionally gifted at baseball. And um, he learned a lot from one of the brothers there, Brother Matthias, um, who was a big man, but seemed to take a liking uh, to George and um, taught him baseball. And, and he modeled originally a lot of his style of baseball after Brother Matthias. You know, so you said uh, George, which uh, that was his full name, George Herman Babe Ruth Jr. Uh, where did he get the nickname Babe? Uh, because he's at St. Mary's Industrial School. And the owner, manager of the Baltimore Orioles, which is part of the International League at the time, hears that there's this phenomenal, phenomenal kid out at St. Mary's um, who he has to go see play. And so he does. He takes the trolley out and, and sees young George on the mound and says, I want to sign him. And mm -hmm. the Zavarian brothers said, you can't. He's in our custody. He's in our care. Um, he can't leave unless you want to become his legal guardian. And... Jack Dunn is a smart businessman and says, where do I sign? And he comes <laughs> George's legal guardian and puts him on a train to Fayetteville, North Carolina, where the Orioles are in spring training. And the other players are starting to tease and say, hey, have you seen Jack Dunn's new baby? Have you seen Dunny's new babe? The first time he shows up in the newspaper, he's nice. George Ruth Jr. The second time he shows up in the newspaper, he's George Babe Ruth. Jack wow. Dunn's baby. And that's where he gets the nickname and it sticks that's with funny. him for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it has. And you know, one thing that stuck with Red Sox fans for most of their lives and some people their entire lives was the curse of the Bambino, uh, whether it is uh, real or not, it stuck with those Red Sox fans for a really long time. The curse was absolutely real. Um, and I can tell you that here at the birthplace and over at the, our ballpark, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, there is a statue of Babe Ruth right outside the entrance at Oriole Park. And for years, when the Red Sox were in town, before the curse was broken, people would leave hot dogs, beer, cigars. Right either on the front steps of the birthplace or on the Babe Ruth statue, hoping to, <laughs> hop, hoping to offer a sacrifice uh, to Babe to finally let the Red Sox win one. Wow. <laughs> That's great. Did you ever eat one of those hot dogs that were sitting out there? Or? Oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm sure Babe would, though, if he was around, right? <laughs> he, would, he certainly would have enjoyed the beer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so uh, visiting your website, you've got a ton of uh, virtual type tours now. You've got some like coloring pages for kids. You've got the, the YouTube stuff that you guys have set up, but you've also got the museum open up right now. By the way, it's baberuthmuseum.org. But if people want to come visit the physical location, they can. Yeah, right? We're open for limited hours right now, again, because it's one, you know, it is winter. Um, so we don't get as many baseball fans as we would during the, the regular baseball season, um, but also just a pandemic and you know travel restrictions and things like that. But we are open Friday through Sunday during the, this winter anyway. And the museum is not just Babe Ruth. You also uh, you have Baltimore Orioles and some other um, sports related uh, items there, right? Yeah, we are the only place in the world that we know of. Um, that has a NFL Super Bowl trophy. We have the Baltimore Colts Super Bowl V trophy on display here. And we have the uh, 1983 Baltimore Orioles World Series trophy. And as far as we know, we're the only place in the world that has one of each. Um, oh, that's cool. And, and we're proud of you know both of those teams, as well as our other teams, the Baltimore Ravens, our Negro League teams. Um, so we try to we try to do programming and we try to do things around those topics when we can't do an exhibit. Thank you for uh, teaching us about Babe Ruth. And I hope that people do go visit. It's baberuthmuseum.org. For more details, you can get directions to go visit or you can do some of these virtual tours online. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sean. Been a pleasure. All right, let's take a look at our birthdays for today. Kristen Cavallari is 34. Diane Keaton is 75. Suki Waterhouse, 29. January Jones is 43. Perfect that she was born in January. I bet you there's a story behind that, right? <laughs> yeah, Matt Erland Manson, oh wow, is 52 today. That one shocks me. Uh, Bradley Cooper is 46. That's your look at January 5th. Thanks for listening to This Is Today. We do our best to pull together all the correct information. If we made a mistake and you heard it, you're super smart and we're super sorry. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five star if you think we deserve it. If you'd like to make sure that we cover something on a future episode, let us know. Go to thisistodaypodcast.com to make suggestions, give us feedback, and see our other podcasts. I hope you enjoyed learning about today. I'm Russ, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.